Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because... Like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, we've got a couple of we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah, uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, and all around nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that, and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. So I think we're all live. I think the microphone's picking us up. So good. And uh, yeah, well, welcome to the uh, Tuesday tune-in. Slightly different today, um, because it's just myself and Fee. Um, Andy is not actually here today. Um, he's actually off doing some, um, initially it was some high altitude training. Um, very high, actually. He got to around 30,000 feet at one point. Um, and obviously, you know, we all know that to acclimatize, we have to go high and come low. And it just so happened that when he came low, he was over a beach. But um, he will be going back up to around 30,000 feet and joining us next week. So, um, yeah, but for now, I thought it'd be an awesome time to introduce the lovely Fee. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hey, hello everybody. Hello, Brian, Paul, Dave, Tamron, Miko, Patrick. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, we're going to do this. Is almost going to be sort of a show of two halves. So, the first bit, we're going to introduce Fee, and we're going to talk a bit to Fee and do some questions. So, a little bit of quick fire get to know, and then we'll move on to the um, the topic of the live, which is going to be all around high altitude and trekking above sea level and what that's like. So, um, yeah. Hi, Fee. Hi. Yeah. Just so you all know, I'm not actually this much taller than Fifi is actually quite a bit back. The camera sure. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, excellent. Yeah. So Fee is our um, project manager. Project manager. Project manager. Yeah. Brought on to do all the real important stuff that we're either not capable of or don't have the time to do. So yeah, Fee's going to be doing some really awesome projects and getting some really cool stuff off the ground as well. So um, yeah. And all the exciting stuff you see that we're going to be announcing in the future is going to have <laughs> fee behind it, driving it that way. Um, yeah, excellent. Hello, Alexandra. Hello, Mark. Haley, Pablo, Simon, Sarah. Um, right, should we, should we get right into it then, shall we? Questions. Yeah, so Lauren is actually, you know, Lauren on the phones is going to, yeah, is going to be asking some <laughs> quick fires um, at us. Um, we're going to answer. And, I, and we're going to answer, yeah. I vote Dave, you answer first, then Fee. I was going to say, or do, we, or do we just get in first? Or, yeah, I mean, if you've got the golden Oh, answer, why did we get buzzers? Oh, buzzers. buzzers. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, so yeah, so quick fire round, random questions, so you can get to know a little bit about us. Mainly Fee, 
Hot or cold? Cold. Hot. Tea or coffee? Tea. Tea. Beer or wine? <laughs> wine. Beer. Mm. What's your favourite smell? <laughs> oh, um, we have a throwback to when it was me and Jen answering yeah, this. Yeah, I really enjoy um, the smell of fire in the morning. The best fire answer the ever. Best fire in the morning. Fire particularly in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know what you like. call it. Seaside breeze. You know that smell when you drive mm. to the beach and you got the window open and you and you can tell the beach is getting close. Nice, yeah. That smell. That's a good smell. Yeah, that's a good smell. Not as good as fire in the morning. But <laughs> are you actually going with fire in the morning as well? <laughs> Fire at night. Fire in the mid-afternoon. Yeah, yeah, a mid-afternoon fire. Oh, I think that question's going to come up in a minute. Excellent. Oh, Ramona, yeah, she, yeah. she's always there. That, that's that's a standard <laughs> yeah. question. Oh, see, we, see, I knew this. We're going to have we're going to have to answer their questions. What's the what's the tea in, like in, in the, the pool? It's very nice. They do masala tea quite a lot. It's like a chai oh, tea nice. with um, and you can any type of tea, honey and ginger tea, lemon tea. Yeah, loads. It's really good. I was going to say garlic tea for the soup, isn't it? Ooh. That should never happen. That's not, that's not quite like a good tea. Um, what is your favourite word? <laughs> this is what he asked me. I'm getting my pay back. Favourite word? Yeah. Um, oh, bamboozled. That's nice. a good word. <laughs> I, that's too I'm going to have to come back to that. Yeah. That's too difficult. You're not going to like this next one. Okay. Mm. What's your least favourite word? Oh, moist. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength uh least favorite word i don't know more of a phrase really can you help me lift this is this one i don't really, I don't really don't like uh describe yourself as a teenager in three words oh gothic not quite a goth goth depressing <laughs> Drunk. Smoky and drunk. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Talkative, irritating, and hyperactive. Same as now. Same as now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, cats or dogs, and we can also twist this. You know, Penny or Cooper. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Cats. I, I, you know, I love dogs. I'm very much team dogs, but I do also love cats, and my cat is watching. <laughs> He is an evil overlord. Um, will destroy me if I don't say cats. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to say cats. You know cats the safest cats. answer. The is safe cats. answer is cats. Uh, John has come up with a good word, by the way. Defenestrated. We Ooh. talk about this. It means to throw someone through a window. Wow. Yeah. Trust John. Fen like, isn't the French word for window something to do with fen fen fenestrate? But something fen something. Someone will tell us. Somebody speaks yeah. French. I think there's some. <laughs> there's some link to the French word for window there. Yeah. There's the defenestration of Prague. That's all wow. I know about it. I think so. In all Prague, the windows they put through in Prague. No, they, they put someone through a window in Prague. Oh. I think. Well, it's topical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. If your house was on fire, what two things would you run back in to get? My boyfriend and my cat. <laughs> You're safe, Tom. You're safe. <laughs> um, I like that he couldn't get out on his own. You have to go in. Like, could probably he'd probably be out before me, but <laughs> if that was the only it's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, erring on the side of caution there. I don't own a lot. It took me four hours to move. <laughs> um I would grab my PlayStation because I'd need it and my I don't know. My, and my van keys. That's it. And similarly. I grab my keys. Interesting. Finetra is um 
well is this Ramona? Um, Ramona knows a lot about windows and buildings. Mm -hmm. Pablo is telling you. Oh, Pablo, nice. It's nice. It's at the bottom there. Oh yeah, Fenestry. And I don't and I don't and I don't want to try and pronounce it in Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh mountains or sea. Oh, it's gotta be mountains, isn't it? Mountains. Guys? Yeah, mountains definitely. If you had a superhero power, what would it be? Oh, that's good. I can make food disappear. <laughs> like that. If you had a power that if you don't you... already have. <laughs> oh, so I have to choose one yeah. that I don't already have. You don't have. Um Teleportation, I would have. Yeah. yeah, you know me and planes. Yeah. Don't like it. Teleportation's good. I don't know. I say invisible, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? Invisibility. <laughs> creepy That's and my second go. Yeah. 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 Be, you know, so if, you, if, you're, if you're looking out of a window at night and you see it like mist up next to you, oh. <laughs> it's feet. She's snuck in. <laughs> What's the last song you listened to? Oh, the one that Dave was singing earlier. <laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> the Peter Kay. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pete, Peter Kay misheard lyrics. lyrics. But it was an actual song. It was an actual song, yeah. What do you get if you fall in love? I don't know who does that. Was it, was it the Carpenters? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. Uh, the last song I listened to, other than... Um, I, I think it was a Rob Zombie song. Nice. I can't say it because it's got a swear word in it. Yeah. Very, very. Yeah. I've just been listening to podcasts recently, so I haven't listened to music for yeah. a really long time because I'm obsessed <clears throat> to listening. What's your podcast? podcast? My favorite murder very is what I'm listening to currently. Um, you are going to be the creepy one. You're like invisibility murder. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to dive in quickly it. just to interject. Go What's your it. favorite song or kind of music? Nice. Oh, ooh. oh gosh, that's really difficult. That's too. That's too hard. Okay. Though. Okay. We'll we'll come back. Tent or caravan or under the stars. Oh, they're too good. <laughs> um, tent or caravan. I, I really. Uh, yeah. I'd like. I'd like a nice caravan. A nice think. caravan. Like a, a glamping style. Yeah. 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 Gypsy, Romany caravan, something like that. <clears throat> yeah. That would be nice. Uphill or downhill? Downhill. Yeah. One hundred percent. These guys have got better questions than yeah. me. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have a spirit animal, what would it be? Oh, the that's a good sloth. Question. Nice. Yeah. Sloth yeah. That's good. Maybe a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> These are too hard. Cat, maybe just yeah, cat. rich cat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a, a fancy cat. Fluffy <laughs> one. I just need to look at these questions earlier. Really. Wasn't one of them spirit? Is is this coming next? What's the next one? That was what I just said. Spirit, spirit animal. By the way. Yeah, but there was another one. What's, what's, what have you written next to animal there in brackets? Or oh, demon, because I was going to say... Oh, <laughs> Spirit demon. demon. No, I was going to say any Philip Pullman fans out there would be your demon. Oh, demon, he yeah. spells that D-A-E. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't choose that. They, they, they choose you. Choose you so. yeah. Yeah. I thought mine would be a badger. Badger's good. Badger's a... Pretty yeah. Good, pretty good. Pretty good. It's a bit friendly and then, like, really aggressive. Um, what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Um... Strangest thing I've ever eaten. Um, I, I drank a load of gone off milk once by accident. <laughs> Does that count? No, I'll take it. It was pretty strange. <laughs> I mean, I thought, wow, that was strange. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten ostrich. Um, I've eaten kangaroo back in the days when I ate meat. I don't eat meat anymore. But yeah. when I did, I've eaten those things, which I don't feel great about, really. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, Leah has said, isn't your spirit animal a koala? Oh. oh. Yes, 
I need to ask you some questions now because you were asking all the other ones. Earlier. Okay, okay, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the Marmite <clears throat> question mark. Love it. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Correct answer. Um, tortoise or hare? Hare. Oh, no, really? sorry, sorry, I got that completely wrong. Tortoise. <laughs> tortoise. <laughs> That's why we both went really. Tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> tortoise. <laughs> um, anything else? Anything else? Anything else? No, no more questions. Excellent. Just comments. Oh, John has said about the cat crumb. I think I told you guys about oh, that the God. other day. We won't bring it up. Oh, no, what you have to. I can't do this that. is the strangest thing you've ever eaten. Tell the people. It, yeah, I had a cat called Puzzle that was Oh, sat. no, I know the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it was sat on my lap and I was eating a chocolate muffin and, you know, bits were falling down. After I ate the muffin, I shifted the cat and I was picking up little bits of what I thought was muffin, but it wasn't. It was deposited by a cat. Oh. It was the cat crumb. Cat bum crumb. The cat bum crumb, yeah. It was the cat bum crumb, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest thing anybody has ever eaten. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'll just join your desk. Um, okay, this is my last one, which only Hooray. came up because everyone went, I can't think what the answer would be. Uh, what is the saddest film you've ever seen? Oh, saddest film? Uh, Blackfish. It's because we were talking about something. <laughs> it was pretty sad, yeah, though, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it's not a sad film, but the film that makes me cry the most is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. I watched that for Christmas mm. and bawl my eyes out from when he finds Zuzu's petals in his pocket. Zuzu's petals. Don't start. Quite good. But yeah. Haven't very, seen it. Very emotional. I've never seen it. It's not a good time. I watch, um, there's a Christmas panto, usually. You're such a child. Yeah, with Neil Morrissey in it, I think. Nice. Yeah, mm. watch that about four or five times. <laughs> Sticker of Dibley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strong Christmas viewing. Excellent. Story oh, is very upsetting. Yeah. It really is. Alexandra agrees that story that is story so upsetting. Very upsetting. Um, <laughs> eating out or eating in? Eating out. Yeah. I don't like washing up. Although eating in can be good if you, you know, it's nice to cook stuff yourself. I enjoy eating in too, but yeah, yeah eating out eating is, out. is better. I Definitely. Think. And the strangest experience you've ever had, says Ali. I'm going to ask you that. Um, strangest experience, Dave. Being woken up in Gorek Shep by someone shouting hello in the middle of <laughs> the, the night because they were locked in the room. Oh. They were locked in the room next door and Gorek Shep and I woke up and I was like, I could hear like, hello. And I was like, nah. hello. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I remember being like, what's happening here? And then, yeah, it turned out that someone was like walking down the corridor in the dark and slid the bolt across. So oh, this no. person, yeah, actually she was, a, yeah, she was a cardiologist from Wales. Oh, wow. Yeah, almost gave me a heart attack. Hey. <laughs> That was true that she was a cardiologist from Wales. The perfect person you want to have next door to you in Gorekshire. A cardiologist yeah, who understands case. your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I have to say, I do like New Year's answer for the Christmas movie. It's quite controversial with Die Hard. Definitely yeah. a Christmas movie. Is it really? 100% yeah. a Christmas movie. As is Gremlins. Oh, Gremlins. Christmas yeah. Movie. yeah. Die Hard's a brilliant Christmas movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you'd be Kaye, Melon Farmers. <laughs> so excellent Hi. there we are can i go now the lovely thing yeah you can go we'll, we'll, we'll try I'm we'll try and time this, this perfectly <laughs> anyway thank you fee thanks guys yeah bye and he slides effortlessly back into the center um excellent guys yeah so there we are the lovely fee and now we're gonna talk about um, what I've uh, set aside this uh, the live to be about was I thought we haven't talk, talked about it in a while though it does come up every now and again so this is all going to be about altitude what it's like to trek above sea level 
how to manage your body and your mind to stay motivated, to stay healthy, um, you know, and things you can do before you even leave the UK to actually start preparing the body for altitude. Because there's a lot of interesting facts coming out and about, about what you can and can't do. Um, so, yeah, first thing I thought I would do is talk about, you know, when you're actually at altitude, there's some really good basic rules that you can follow that will just make everything work for you. So I think the one is pace. So when we're talking about the tortoise and the hare, you definitely want to be the tortoise when you're at altitude. You want to walk slow, you want to take it easy, um, and you want to enjoy yourself. It's not about who gets you know, to base camp or the top of Kilimanjaro fastest or first. It's about who gets there in the best condition to enjoy themselves when they're there. Because that's what it's all about. You know, we're not a race where we're, we do this ultimately because we enjoy it, even if it's only in retrospect sometimes. Um, but yeah, so that's the one thing. Second thing that we always talk about is hydration. Um, you know, when you're at altitude, the body is going through a lot of changes to make sure that it functions properly. One of those changes is that it will naturally dehydrate itself in order to be able to cope with the altitude. And when you couple that with exercise, sweating, and all of that sort of stuff anyway, you're going to dehydrate very fast and very quickly. As soon as you do, altitude will see its moment, nip into your brain and make you ill. So drinking at least four liters a day, I recommend. I'd probably drink between realistically three and five, depending on the type of day I'm having. But I'm a sweater, so five is quite a lot. Um, yeah. And the other one is it's about sort of managing your own anxiety, because a lot of times people have had like, um, and I've seen it happen, almost like a panic attack at altitude. And they think that it's altitude coming on, but actually they've just gotten themselves quite worked up about something small um, and you're in a different environment. So things start to snowball and get a little bit worse. Um, but also, by the way, any questions you guys have as well about altitude or you want to like ask me, then just try and fire them over and stuff like that. And uh, Lauren's going to be firing them back at me. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably one of the most key, actually, is like keeping your mind happy and, you know, not overthinking everything when you're at altitude, because you are out of your comfort zone. But that's the whole reason that you've been there. Um, and if you do start to have a headache or you start to feel a little bit dizzy or nauseous, just know that it's completely normal. You know, there's nothing out of the ordinary about that. And it's nothing to be alarmed about. The only thing that we do is we take an intelligent approach to it. So we think, OK, that's fine. My body's registering the altitude. I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep an eye on it and make sure that it doesn't actually get any worse. You know, and nine times out of 10, if someone actually does get sick at altitude, all they have to do in order to like fix that is just look back on the previous day. Almost certainly they would have moved too quickly or they would have not drank enough. I know John, who's on here, good friend of mine, the great Bald Yeti training weekend coordinator forever trek in Wales. Um, he was out trekking with me in on the way to base camp. And on the first few days, now John's a fast walker. You know, he's one of those guys that's always first up the hill, always like powering ahead. And we were telling him, slow down, John, slow down. But it's difficult to, to try and do that. And um, yeah, and then later on in the, you know, like when you're at altitude, that quickness has already sort of, you know, made its move. And then as a result, you have headaches and things like that. And he made it to base camp and he was fine and healthy. He was perhaps just a little bit rough around the edges. Um, then he came back with me a couple of years later, and this time he hung at the back. You know, he looked out for other people that were going slow, carried a bag when he needed to, but overall his pace was very slow. And he flew to base camp, honestly. Like, when you're up high, you know, slow at the beginning is fast at the end, and that's what we're looking for. Um, okay, so I can see the questions are coming in now. Um, Lauren, have you sent any to me? Um, I've got 
Well, we missed a Head Yeti question, which you might want. Oh, we got Head Yeti on. Jeanette um, emailed us over email. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. Um, oh, so Head Yeti question. Eight hour bimble in the rain or eight hour bimble in the sun? <laughs> And this is this is from the head yeti himself. <laughs> then 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 I already know. Just so you know, I'll answer on Andy's behalf, which is eight hour bimble in the rain. Harder and the more sort of against you the world is, the more fun he has on the trail. Maybe like hail and storm. Yeah. And fireballs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, you know, if a meteor was about to land in Brecon, Andy would run up there with a camera and take a picture. You know, he's <laughs> he's hardcore. But um, no, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I don't like the rain, but I don't like the sun either. You know, I just like it. You know those days when you you can just walk around with a t-shirt, but you're not hot, nice you're not breeze. cold. Yeah, nice breeze, something like that. That'd be perfect for me. Um, yeah. So uh, let's have a look. Jeanette over email. Wow. Any advice for those allergic to sulfur drugs like Diamox? Good alternatives. Now, yeah, that is tricky. So yeah, you obviously cannot take Diamox then because that'll make you quite ill when you're on the mountain. So your best and now Diamox, remember, is I've been to base camp four times. Um, and I've never used Diamox. I went to Killy once and I used it. So it's not always required. So your first steps are you want to rely on pace, hydration, and mindset. And those three things are going to be far more effective at keeping you healthy at altitude than Diamox. Now, there are some alternatives. Now, there are some herbal alternatives that you can try. Um, I can email you the names of them because I can't recall them off the top of my head. People say a lot of garlic helps as well. Um, so I will find out the names of these alternatives and I'll email them to you. But I, I don't think there is another drug other than Diamox that really, you know, there's like a chemical prescribed drug that you can take. Um, but definitely, yeah, don't take that. Don't take Diamox when you're up there. But like I said, the first three things you do, pace, hydration and mindset um, are the three things that will keep you healthiest when you're at altitude. Um, OK, having a look at this. Um, ah, so. Jerome has said, Dave, can I mention the effects of alcohol at altitude? Yes. Yeah, so we recommend being teetotal. Um, you can have some beers in Kathmandu at the beginning. And when you get back, you can probably even sneak a beer at Namshi on your way down as well, because you're already going to be fully acclimatized. You're going to come down from much higher. So it's going to be safe at that stage. But particularly when you're on your way up, you don't want to drink alcohol at all. When I said that, you know, with altitude, what it does is as your body's going through those changes, it'll naturally dehydrate you. Adding alcohol into that mix, like it turbocharges the dehydration process, counter affects any water that you've drank. Um, I always say to people, the main thing you want to try and avoid when you're at altitude is being dehydrated and a headache. Anybody that's ever had one too many beers on a weekend knows that dehydration and a headache is par for the course. So, yeah, not only can it actually bring on the symptoms of altitude sickness, it can mimic the symptoms of altitude sickness. So you're not effectively managing your body there. So definitely we recommend zero alcohol on the trip. But, you know, enjoy an Everest beer on the way down as a celebration. And when you're in Kathmandu, let your hair down, you know, have fun. Um, excellent. Let's have a quick look. So we've got some more here. Uh, Ramona Usher had the strangest experience of altitude. She has a heart condition, lost one stone while she was there, was the first to have low oxygen, lost a stone in the month coming home. Wow, that's amazing. I've not heard of that, to be honest. Um, although I think you mentioned it before, where the weight loss continued when you were coming back. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Pretty rare, I'd say, because most people will lose weight when they're trekking at altitude. But as soon as they get back to Kathmandu, they'll start putting those pounds back on. 
Um, and normally the weight loss is just related to, you know, normally in most, you won't be burning thousands of calories for 11 days in a row. So yeah, you'll lose weight just due to the exercise that you're doing. But um, no, that is, that is pretty interesting. Um, let's have a quick look now. Eat those ginger and ginger sweets to help with nausea. Yeah, they do say um, ginger and garlic helps with altitude as well. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, I don't know the, the actual, if there's any science behind it, but it's prevalent in the mountains. Um, so I'll drink it a lot, you know, like um, ginger tea, garlic soups and things like that. They make such a big, big, big difference. Um, let's have a quick look. Uh, Dawa Tashi Sherpa. Yeah, so Dawa Sherpa is, um, yeah, really experienced climber. Everest Samatia has a great story as well. And his thing, garlic soup um, and popcorn is best, yeah. Popcorn, I think, is good. Things like popcorn is and snacks and things like that really help keep the energy levels up as well. And that's from an Everest summer tier as well. So that makes a big difference. Yeah, a lot of you are loving the idea. What about coffee and salt in regards to dehydration? So coffee and salt on your food is fine. I think the salt and things like that that you intake, it's probably going to be mostly replacing salt that you've lost through exercise during the day. So you're not going to be having an excess of salt anyway. Um, and it probably has some beneficial effects with regards to cramping and things like that. If you want about sort of hydration salts and stuff like that, I think that makes a big difference. So, um, you know, I'll always bring some like barocas and hydration salts to put in my water at the end of a hike just to replenish what I've lost. Um, coffee's fine. You know, the odd coffee is not, is not a problem um, because you're not going to be drinking huge quantities of coffee. It's probably going to be one in the morning, one in the evening, maximum two, three cups a day. As long as you're drinking the required amount of water, um, yeah, coffee's fine. I know uh, Head Yeti Andy would not be able to cope on the mountain without coffee. Or in life, actually. Yeah, he's a coffee connoisseur. Um, let's have a quick look. <laughs> Shane Ryan, dude, I'm not getting to base camp and not cracking open a beer. Yeah, I've seen it done, you know, and um, <laughs> you're all adults, you know, so you guys do whatever you need to do. Just, you know, don't get drunk. That's fine. One beer you could probably get away with, although I still don't recommend it. But um, yeah, you do you, Shane. You do you. Just take <laughs> care of yourself. Um, let's have a quick look. Uh, John Adams, I don't recommend coffee on your food. It can get a little soggy. I was thinking the exact same thing. Well, you you did, did, did I say? And I feel like you paused as well, like you knew it, but you're like, I'm not. <laughs> did, I, did I? Yeah, I, I, I can't actually remember doing that, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one thing I also want to talk about about trekking at altitude as well is um, you know protecting your skin and your brain from the sun. Um, it's one thing that I think perhaps doesn't get talked about a lot with altitude, but it's certainly very real. And those of you that have read um, John Krakauer's book Into Thin Air will certainly be aware that he was worried and suffered from sunstroke because of the intense rays at high altitude. Again, the higher in altitude you go, the more um, strong and powerful the sun's UV rays are. So not only will you actually get sunburned a lot easier, believe it or not, you can get sunburned at base camp, especially with the glare off the glacier. Um, but also it's about you know wearing your hat, keeping your head covered at all times. It will make a big difference. And again, I've seen people panic and start to worry about whether or not they're experiencing altitude when in actual fact it's probably a little bit of you know um too much sun involved you know maybe not as far as like heat stroke but definitely along those lines where they've been in the sun all day they haven't had their head covered um and they've started to feel a little bit unwell because of it a really experienced guide of ours nima 
Um, and I know John will be able to do this because he was with Nima and myself when we were trekking in October to base camp. His biggest thing was keep your chest covered and keep your head covered. And he's born and bred in the Kumbu. So like his advice for, you know, being healthy and, you know, surviving at altitude is, um, yeah, is key. So yeah, keep your chest covered and keep your head covered. Um, I, I know buffs as well do like a UV uh, protection buff as well. So um, yeah, they they can be pretty good. They can be pretty good. They can be pretty good. Um, let's have a look. Protect your brain, or did I hear that wrong? No, Leah, you heard it right. Yeah, protect your brain. Um, yeah, exactly what I said. You know, you you might get um, you know, keep your head covered because the effects of uh, the UV rays can make you pretty unwell. Um, oh, Ramona's come up with another good point. Face buff in the Kumbu Valley for. Uh, kumbu cough again that's what it's all about you've heard about the kumbu cough i always joke that andy's had kumbu cough for the last 12 years um i think he went to, to nepal got it and now it's now it's with him for life but um yeah it's about just keeping your chest covered um and you know perhaps even having the buffer over your nose particularly in feriche so on your way back when you're actually in the feriche valley it's like a giant wind tunnel it's got mountains on both sides feriche sits in the valley and the wind just powers down there. It's not too bad if it's at your back, but if it's face on, um, you know, that can give you a bit of a bad chest and, you know, make your lips crack and things like that. So, yeah, I definitely have about four buffs with me whenever I go. And I got one on my head, one on my neck, one on my mouth, <laughs> you know, one on my wrist as like a sweatband, that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, Haley has said, any tips on sun protection at altitude that doesn't make you feel hot when walking? Um of running into the eyes, etc. Any sunglasses needed? Yeah, so definitely you need sunglasses. Personally, I think with the sun protection, I get factor 50 or total sunblock, you know, that's got like um, multi-spectrum protection. So just the best one I can find basically. Um, and then if I do put it on my forehead or my head or something, then I'll put the buff over the top of it. And then that tends to absorb a lot of the sweat and stuff like that anyway. But sunglasses are definitely, definitely needed. You'll be straining your eyes so bad. So um, because the sun uh, is very bright, particularly it's not too bad in the lower altitudes where it's green and lush. But when you certainly get to sort of above Dingboche, um, you get into very rocky glacial terrain there and um, it'll it can reflect in your eyes. And you know, you, you, I don't think you'd ever really get snow blind or anything like that on the way to base camp. But you certainly can get like strained eyes. I recommend um, uh, Julbos. Um, they are considered, I think, the best sunglasses for high altitude. Um, I bought a pair um, and I've had them for several years now and they're brilliant. I've used them on Killy um, and multiple times in EBC, so definitely. But to be honest, I mean, they are quite expensive. Any sunglasses are better than no sunglasses. Um, but yeah, I think the Julbos, if you want some really good ones that are specifically designed to protect your eyes at altitude. Um, Sinead, what support advice help is on offer from the Altitude Centre through Evertrek? Ah, excellent. Yeah, so we have hooked up with the Altitude Centre. There's some really interesting um, stuff coming out of their um, their research. And for years and years, even I've repeated this advice, that it's not really possible to prepare yourself for altitude before arriving at altitude, other than keeping yourself fit and healthy. But actually, they've done a lot of research into the science behind it. Um, and there are certain things that you can do, even if it's just it lets you know a little bit more about how your body results to altitude. So I think that the main thing to do is um, when you go there, they'll put you on um, simulation, like altitude simulation masks, and they'll get it while you're at rest and while you're exercising. And they'll take measurements and they do some fancy science 
and basically tell you things you could do to improve your bodily function so those numbers increase. Um, also, I think at the very least, you'll get peace of mind. You'll know exactly how you feel at altitude, what to expect. So when you go there, you'll be like, ah, I know that. That's what they've told me. So, yeah, you, you know, that's really good. But um, drop them a message anyway, because they are offering free training plans as well. They concentrate a lot on fitness and specific training that you can do for altitude, um, you know, to keep your, your body strong and healthy. So, yeah, get in touch with those guys. They're really good. You can do it by the members area as well on the website. Check it out. Um, let's have a quick look. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, some good recommendations on the sunscreen factor 50 always. Uh, do people wear Legionnaire caps? What's a Legionnaire cap? I looked it up. It's a bit fast, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't seen one since I was at school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the cap with like the, the long bit of material down the back. Oh yeah. Legionnaire. I wore one. Is they called a Legionnaire cap? Yeah. I bought one from Buff. Yeah, I, I, I wore one. It used to drive me mad, though, because it, like, crinkles around your ear and it's quite loud. So um, I bought, like, a bit of a bucket hat from OR, Outdoor Research. They do a Helios sun cap, um, which is breathable. It keeps the sun off your eyes as well, and, it, and it's actually wide enough that it covers the back of your neck. Um, I get a little bit of stick from wearing it, you know, like I, I look like the guy from Jumanji and stuff like that, but that's fine. It doesn't bother me. But um, yeah, you can wear one if you want. Yeah, they're absolutely, you know, brilliant. Anything that keeps the sun off you is good, because... You know, I've got sunburn on my way up to Namshi one day on the back of my neck. And that sucked because I had sunburn. And then two days later, it was like minus 10. <laughs> you know, so it was just weird to be cold and burning at the same time. Um, so, so Ramona has a question. So she brought way too many clothes, but in particular, fresh socks for each day and then extras. Um, she was reading about just reusing socks, but was always told to have fresh ones. So, right, it can, I bring a pair for every day, uh, but I don't bring extras. And if you buy the merino wool pair, they tend to be sort of antimicrobial and they stay fresher for longer and things like that. Um, I also find that, you know, if you wear a pair one day, take them off, put on another pair, take them off, put them on another pair and then go back to the first pair, they're pretty much fresh. Um, you can also, when we have acclimatization stops at Namchi and Dingboche, um, if the sun is out, you know, you can soak your, um, your socks in like some soapy water and let them dry out on a rock somewhere, you know, and they'll be, they'll be clean and fresh. So yeah, definitely don't need to like overpack. Um, every time I've gone to base camp, I've got my bag to under 15 kilos and I carry everything that I need. Um, maybe with a bit of cheating, perhaps I do put, pack my pockets with stuff before my bag gets weighed, but essentially, yeah, you don't need, um, you know, like 15 pairs of socks for 11 days of hiking, for instance. Um, ah, nice. Andrew Duncan doing Killy in March. Awesome, mate. Awesome. You're going to have a wicked time. Um, I did Killy in February. It was the last normal thing I did before lockdown, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, and it was an amazing, epic, epic day. Summit day, that'll blow your mind. I'm not, <laughs> it's a, it, that is a day to remember. Um, oh, Jerome has asked, can Fee give us a wave on camera? Jerome, where were you? We, uh, <laughs> We had Fee on at the beginning for a full, um, yeah, but she's coming, she's coming back around. So Jerome, the lovely Fee. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you go back to the beginning, you'll see Fee was on you for about 10 minutes or so. We did a little quick fire and stuff like that. So awesome. Um, yeah, people mentioning that, yeah, uh, Sinead and that they wore each pair twice. Yeah, that's fine. To be honest, the normal rules of like social etiquette don't apply in the mountains. You can double wear boxers, double wear 
socked, anything like that. The ambient smell in any one lodge is about the same anyway, so you won't stand out. Um, ah, so uh, Hillary Calderwood, what height do people tend to start feeling sick? Okay, so to be honest, not everyone will feel sick at all, but I suppose it's what, you know, when can you expect to, to start to look out for the symptoms of altitude sickness? I would say from around um, Namshi. So normally when people get to Namshi, that's the point where you're going to start to notice the altitude. So, you know, you know, if you run up a set flight of stairs or you're walking around Namshi, it's going to be tiring more so than at sea level. Um, and then the acclimatization day on Namshi is when we go up to the Sherpa Museum, up to Everest View Hotel, um, and then we come back down to Namshi. And usually around about that time is when you'll start hearing a few complaints about altitude and things like that. Um, so, yeah, but uh, again, it's all about hydration, nutrition, and, you know, keeping a positive mindset, um, and that will make a huge difference for you. But, yeah, probably around about Namshi and above. Um, but, you know, it can it can happen anywhere. We've seen people be totally fine and start to feel a bit unwell on the way down, you know, it, and usually that's as a result of not quite following the rules of hydration because it, I know it sounds easy, but it's actually really hard, you know, every day to drink like four or five litres of water. You feel like a Baskin shark just filtering this stuff through you. But um, it is absolutely key. Um, let's have a look. Ramona, lads and lasses, could we get some trips going with open travel corridors even if not high altitude you're going to yeah i thought you were going to wales ramona did you go to penavan and do some climbing and stuff like that um yeah for the evertrek guys unfortunately we're going to stick to the high altitude stuff and um you know yeah no no trips to mykonos for us i don't think but uh, you know who knows when we're, maybe when we're sort of approaching 50 60 70 we might start going to like more like beach holidays and stuff and we're staying at sea level um, yeah, we got some people here saying started at about 4,000 meters, Diamox sorted it completely. You know, Diamox can really make a big difference. Um, there's a lot of opinions about Diamox and things like that. My recommendation is go to see a travel nurse at a travel clinic like Nomad. Get the advice from those guys directly. They're used to prescribing it. They, they know what it does. They know what side effects it can have. Um, and they'll make sure that you're doing it. You, you know, if you are using it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good for you. Um, it, de it definitely can make a really make a big difference. I mean, I, when I, I've never used it in Nepal, but when I was on Kilimanjaro, there was one day where we went up to um, the lava tower and it made a big difference. So I was feeling not, I wouldn't even go as far as to say I was sick, but I definitely noticed that I, I wasn't quite my usual self, um, was a bit slow, a little bit of a headache, a little bit of sort of dizziness. And yeah, I took... Um, I, I took Dymox and felt fine. Mark 50, not offended at all. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I mean, that's why I added 60, 70, 80 on there. And I was talking about myself, not anyone else. My actual, my old man made it to base camp when he was 61. So, um, yeah, you know, age is but a number. It's all about the individual. Um, excellent. Uh, Kili is higher than EBC. Ramona, yeah. So Kiliman, the summit of Kilimanjaro is about 5895. Um, Everest base camp is 5365, give or take. It's on an active glacier, so it does move by a few meters all the time. Um, so Kili is a lot higher, yes. Um, but Kili tends to be, it's hard to its hard to compare. It really is apples and oranges, you know, but I would say just on a difficulty level, summit day on Kili is a lot harder than any day on the classic EBC trip. Um, not necessarily because of like how physically tough it is. It's just a combination of things like the altitude, 
feeling a little bit tired for lack of sleep and it's dark and a bit cold and things. So all of those things sort of make things a little bit tougher. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answered your question, Ramona. Excellent. Have I got any more, Lauren? Have I missed any more questions? Um, I was actually done. <clears throat> ah, so Ali, in your experience, does altitude tend to come on all at once or is it a slow climb to feeling awful? In my experience, it tends to be it's strange. I think people announce it all at once. They suddenly go quite fast downhill. But actually, when you look at that person and talk to them and you look at what they've been doing in the few days leading up to that, almost always there's some signs there that, you know, they weren't drinking enough or maybe they were a bit quick on one day and they were rushing. So usually there's some telltale signs in there, the, you know, the previous 24 hours as to why they're feeling pretty unwell now. Um, I think that, yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't, it doesn't it can hit you like that but the signs are, are usually there beforehand and it is completely manageable feeling the effects of altitude on mild altitude sickness doesn't actually mean the end of your trip um all it means is that we've got to make some adjustments we've got to look after you a little bit differently you know make sure you're drinking maybe put you onto dimox if you're not on it already um and monitor your pace and things like that the guides in nepal are fantastic they know better than anyone how to look after you the guides in tanzania they're awesome they know how to look after you so no matter where you go they'll they'll basically your guide is your first point of contact you talk to him or her you let them know how you're feeling and they'll look after you um let's have a look now um so are there any issues with going to altitude more than once in a fairly short time period um, to be honest, I think no, I think if if anything, that would probably be a benefit, you know, so if you went up to um, and reached altitude, then come back down and then went back up again, your body would probably retain some of the acclimatization benefits from your previous um, one. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you can assume that you'll be okay. You know, you still have to follow the rules, monitor your pace, drink lots, look after yourself, stay positive, listen to your guide. Um, you know, so as long as you do all of those things every time you go to altitude, then yeah, you'll be fine. Um, let's have a quick look. How low can your oxygen levels get before you are in trouble? That is a little bit depending on the individual. So oxygen levels, uh, one thing that we take into consideration that, you know, they're an important thing, but we also need to factor it into certain other things. How is that person feeling? Are they exhibiting any symptoms? Um, you know, if my oxygen gets to 70, it might make me quite unwell. Your oxygen might go to 60 and you might still be okay. Um, although that would be an extreme low, but just as an example, um, I think, you know, most of the time on an EBC trip, my oxygen level, I maybe in the high 70s, high to mid 70s, maybe a, maybe it was a bit lower on Kilimanjaro um, and, I, and I'm totally fine. But then my father, for instance, when he went there, he was, I think, in the high 60s. So but and, and he felt the same as me. You know, it was just how our bodies react to that low oxygen that really makes the difference. But it is an indicator. So if you are feeling unwell, you have your oxygen checked, it's low. OK, well, that's two indicators. You're feeling unwell. Then what are your symptoms? You know, do they match things that we expect to see with altitude? And that's how we go forward. It's a very methodical um, way that we deal with it to look after you. Um, let's have a look now. I think that's pretty much it, right? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I know that I know the questions are going to keep coming, but uh, yeah, I, guys, it's been really great. Um, Andy will be back next week. Um, yeah, so I'll have someone to talk to in the other room as usual. But no, it's been really good. Hopefully, you guys uh, have found this helpful. Um, anything else that you need to know? Obviously, like we always say, 
we'll get back to you in the comments, drop us an email, drop us a message. Um, yeah, and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Anyway, from me, Fee, Lauren, Andy doing his high altitude training, uh, we'll speak to you soon. All the best, guys. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs> I'm